Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Do you know, recently, Gordon and I, um, we went to, uh, to Rome, who were celebrating my birthday, kid-free. I love my kids dearly, but do you know, when you get the opportunity to go, I don't have to do what they want, I get to do what I want. <laughs> Every parent in the house said, amen, amen. So we went off to Rome. Now, do you know, I, I am that art nerd. I love to go to galleries. I just do. But I'm married to a guy who does not like galleries at all. In fact, he'd rather go to a football match, a rugby match, a cricket match, or anything to do with sport. But going to a, an art gallery just doesn't tick his box. But here's the thing. The holiday was to celebrate my birthday. So I said, Gordon, I get to decide. I want to go to all these galleries. Now, I love, go read it. I want to go, Gordon alone, don't bug me when I'm going round. I just want to go and view it. I want to go and see it. I want to go and read it. I want to go, I just want to soak in the atmosphere. And Gordon will say, uh, I'll be in the coffee shop when you're done, darling. This is how Gordon views an art gallery. Do we have that picture? Do we have that picture? Oh, come on, let's see if we can get this picture. Do we have, I know the words people are up there going. It was basically, it was this big cushion in the middle of the gallery and you can lie out and you can watch it. If we don't have that picture, it's such a shame. I might actually social media then. Because when I came in, I saw Gordon lying on the floor in this cushion, looking at all these gals. I'm like, are you for real? And then he said, come and join me. So I did. I went there and I just lay there watching all these galleries. And some folk were just walking around. And we, Joe, we almost fell asleep in this gallery. Huge, big body cushion. Joe, there is a reason why I'm telling you. is that you haven't... No, I want to tell you this next story. When we got to the airport, we were two hours delayed. Now, who hates being delayed in an airport? I can't stand it. And when we got there... There's nothing like meeting up with two Glaswegians who just have a great sense of humor, just want to chat away to you. They've got time to waste, we've got time to waste, and you think, here's a God connection right here. Anyway, they had us in stitches. There were two older ladies, and they said, oh, you went to Rome? Did you go into the... They went on a pilgrimage because they were going to go and see the Pope, they were going to see the Vatican, and I also went to see the Vatican. It was pretty incredible. All the artwork and the architecture was outrageous. It was amazing. And they said to us, did you go to the Vatican? Did you do Mass? And I said, well... No, no, I didn't. But I did go into the Basilica and I loved it. He said, oh, you didn't do Mass. Do you know, she said, we tried to go and see the Pope. We tried to go and do the, the Mass with, with the Pope, but we didn't manage it. I said, okay then. I said, you know, I believe in the power of communi communion. Absolutely I do. And they said, so we went and we found another church close by. So they went in. There was a whole load of people going in. So they decided, well, there's where Mass is going on. I'm going to go and join them. So they got into the back of the church. They, they sat down. And I said, did you understand a word of it? Because surely it was all in Italian. <laughs> Not, not a word of it. And she said, guess what? She said, we weren't actually sitting in mass. We were sitting in a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. As people of God, you have not walked into the wrong place. This is no funeral. This is a celebration of the kingdom of God here in Dundee. Amen. Oh, dear, I love that story. She was telling me story after story, and I'm greeting with laughter. It was almost midnight. I'm like, please. Anyway, welcome to the Gate Church at Gardine. God is on the move at Gate Church International, Dundee. We are not going to just do Gate Church here and then to, at, at the um, Gardine. We are also going to do Gate Church at the... Did you see that picture? 
he's behind you. Oh, do you know what? If it was only just up a wee shimmy, Gordon is lying there on a rug in a, a big cushion. That's how he was. That's how Gordon views galleries. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Let's get to the Word of God, because we are in church, right? We want to do church of the Perth Road. We want to do church of the Gardine. We want to do church of the north of and the south of the, of the city. Do you know what? We're not going to be limited by doing one church. God has given so many promises, prophecies over this church. You better believe it. We're stepping on. We're moving forward. And that is the title of my talk this morning is Move Forward. Our theme of the month is On the Move. Today's talk is moving forward. I'm going to look at a Second Kings today. Second Kings is the first. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the first, the first and Second Kings. It spans over a period of 500 years, and it's about 3,000 years ago. But it tells us the stories of all the kings of Israel throughout the 500-year period. And I want us to look at the people of Israel who, at this time, were oppressed. Why? Because their enemy, the Syrians, and their king was surrounding their city. They were at the point where the king had actually stopped all the flow of food coming in and out or anything coming into the city. The king of Syria actually stopped it happening. Now, they didn't have a community fridge. Otherwise, they could have gone down the community fridge. Come on, that's a joke. Okay. They didn't have a community fridge. Otherwise, they could have gone down there and got their food. Can I just tell you as a wee side note, do you know that community fridge has blasted every target they have made? Rena and I were on the, 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 the Saturday between Christmas and New Year, and usually we get about 100 kilograms on a, on a day, and it's pretty much your car, maybe two car fills with all the seats down, and we lift it in, we put it in. We got three quarters of a ton of food on that Saturday. It was just incredible. And we were there from nine to four, literally putting out all this food. It was just incredible. Anyway, the, the people of Israel didn't have access to a community fridge. The community fridge, by the way, is a way that we are reaching our city to bless them. We are feeding them in the physical, but believing that in the spiritual they will be fed too. Come on now. So here were the people of God stuck in this city and they had no food coming in. Now has anybody started the fast that we started on Wednesday? What were you like on the first day that the fast actually started? Was any of you grumpy to live with? So we, I decided, or Gordon decided, that we would do the, the Daniel fast, the fruit and the, the, the veg. And you know what? It was pretty painful, I have to say. I'm a carbohydrate queen. I absolutely love my food. And really, the atmosphere in my home wasn't very good because I was getting really grumpy by the time it came to, to tea time. It's like, what can we do with fruit and veg that will make it really quite interesting? So could you imagine the king of Israel living with a city of people who didn't even have fruit and veg, but they were limited with the amount of food that they had. They got to the point that a donkey's head was being sold for 80 pieces of silver. Donkey's head never used to be a things of food, but it became something that they ate. Why? Because they had nothing else. And previous to the story, Elisha and his men, Elisha was the prophet, Elisha had taught his men how to see in the spiritual. They were in a position where they had the enemies all around them and his boys were wetting themselves and I can fully relate to it. And this is what the boys said, we're doomed, sir, they're going to take us out. And Elisha said, God, open their spiritual eyes that they may see. And when they saw, when they opened up their eyes, they could see all around them. There was chariots, there was chariots of fire, there was warriors. Why? Because they saw the angelic warriors all around about them. You see, as people of God, we need to have our spiritual eyes 
in tune, our spiritual eyes open, because we have, we have enemies all around us, but we need to see that who that we have all around us is God. See, he who's in us is greater than he who's coming against us. He also taught his men how to pray in the midst of a battle. He said to them, they were in the middle of, midst of a battle, and this is what he prayed, he said, God, make my enemies blind. And Joe, he did now, this is where I disagreed with Elijah. Elisha. He said, make my enemies blind. And when they became blind, he said to the men, right, we're going to lead them into the city and we're going to feed them. I'm like, feed them? But he obviously had a tactic. The reason why he was feeding them, he was blessing his enemy. And after that, every time the Syrians tried to infiltrate their city, they could not do it, but they did certainly try. When you bless your enemies, you bind the power that they have over you. We need to learn how to see in the spiritual as well as pray in the midst of our battles. I know in the midst of my battles, there's times where I just want to melt. I want to have a paddy. I want to have a paddy fit. Look, Gordon, nothing's happening. It's all coming, it's coming apart. It's somebody else, it's somebody else like that. You can really, you, you know that God's on the move, but I'm in the midst of having a paddy pelt meltdown and I've got to go to Gordon and say, pray for me, pray with me. And he'll, sometimes he doesn't pray for me, he'll say, get your act together. Sometimes when you need to turn around to somebody and say, get your act together, see God. The God that's in you is greater than the God that's coming against you. So, Elisha, who taught these guys. Okay. Elisha, he had said to these people, I want to go to actually a bit of scripture in 2 Kings 6. He said, the king of Israel was walking on the city wall when a woman cried out, help me, help me, your majesty. And he replied, hey, if the Lord won't help you, what help can I provide? You see, the king was also in a desperate place of need. Remember, the famine was going on all around about them. Do I have any wheat or wine? What's your trouble, woman? I'm sure now she could have given a list of complaints. If you had no food and you had children, where would your list of complaints begin? Where's my food? I've got to feed all these kids. I'm in desperate need here. And this is what she said. And this answer actually for me shows how desperate she was. She said, the other day, this woman here suggested that we eat my child and then eat her child the next day. So we cooked my son and we ate him. And the next day I told her that we would eat her son, but she had hidden him. And on hearing this, the king tore his clothes in dismay. Do you know what's perverse about this? Well, she didn't complain about the lack of food. She complained that her friend wasn't sharing her child to eat. That's perverse. Do you know when we get surrounded of being spiritually famine, spiritually starved, our perspective becomes so screwed and twisted that we start to complain about wrong things. Do you know I actually read in the paper about this woman who was complaining that the NHS wasn't giving her son money to change his sex. And I was thinking, God, how twisted is that? Instead of realizing that God made you fearfully and you were wonderfully made. And scripture also says this. It says there is no flaw in you. It says you're a, you are altogether beautiful and there is no flaw in you. You see, when we are not spiritually starved, we see as God sees and we pray for the right things. Come on now. We don't get distracted by the enemy's lies or the enemy's tactics. Do you know, we as a church, we can actually complain too. A few, 
Fiona, you're moving us. You're mo see, see in the Perth Road, I knew where my seat was. I knew what time my lunch would be. I, I, I knew what was going on, and you're now moving us to another place. Let's start complaining, God. Our city actually needs so much more of you. Instead of complaining about what's not actually happening over here, just say, let us focus on what God needs and wants for our city. You see, there's many people who are spiritually hungry, who are living in depression, who are living with divided relationships. Our city desperately needs to know who God is. You know, the reason why we're moving here is because we're moving forward. We're not getting rid of our Perth, build our Perth Road building. We're going to be using that Perth Road building for every day that Perth Road build building gets used. And we are doing church there on a Sunday night. God is on the move in this church. So here's the king of Israel. He had a city of people who were in famine. They were fasting. No, they weren't. They were in famine. The food had become absolutely extortionate in that they were charging 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head that wasn't really food. Wrong things became valuable to them, like eating their children. Their thinking became so twisted and warped. They were surrounded by their enemy. Now, I don't know about you, but I just need to watch a film where I actually feel like the enemy's coming in and I'm starting to, I'm getting really pretty scared. Could you imagine living in that city knowing that you're surrounded by your enemy? You have no food, so you are getting weaker and weaker. You have no strength to battle the enemy. You can imagine their minds were just, just going in turmoil. All the people had to do was actually turn and worship God, but they didn't. They actually turned on each other. Let's be careful that we don't turn on each other as a church, but that we always turn to worship God. Elijah then caused the king even more trouble. He was like the troublemaker prophet in the midst of them. He'd already taught his guys how to pray in the midst of battle. He taught his guys how to see in the spiritual. But when the king realized they were in so much trouble, here was the king's twisted thinking, was he decided to go for Elijah the prophet to take him out, and he sent one of his guys and go kill him. And when the guy went in to kill him, Elijah, now, I, I probably would have run a mile. If somebody came in for me, I'd be like, I'm out that back door as quick as. Elijah stayed, and he actually gave a prophecy. That's a real prophecy, prophet, isn't it? And this is what he said in 2 Kings 7. It says, listen to what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, you're going to be able to buy in Samaria 10 pounds of the best wheat, and 20, or best wheat or 20 pounds of barley for one piece of silver. Remember, donkey's head was 80 pieces of silver. Now they're going to buy 20 pounds of the best wheat, the best barley for one piece of silver. In 24 hours, the personal assistant to the king said to Elisha, I can't happen. Oh, I hear the Dundee coming out of me. Not even the Lord himself, not even if the Lord himself was to send grain at once. That's a dangerous place to be to cast out in the word of God, let me tell you. So Elijah's response was this. He said, you'll see it happen, but you won't get to eat any of it. Do you know, doubting the great I am can stop us receiving and eating of the promises of God. As God's people... We can be surrounded by the impossible circumstances. They can be stacked against us. But when God speaks, hold on to it. If God said to you today, you were going to be healed, hold on to it. With all this in mind, I want to take us further on into Second Kings, which is in the same chapter, and is about four starving lepers. 
Now, we all know that lepers are never allowed to be part of the city. Lepers always have to be outside of the city. Why? Because they're contagious. So here were these four lepers. They were out with the city. The city was in famine. They were surrounded by all their enemies. This is called being caught between a rock and a hard place, right? But they decided, hey, we're going to, if we stay here, we're going to die. We need to take our chances and we need to move forward. So I want us to look at this story from 2 Kings 7. It says, four men who were suffering from a dreaded skin disease were outside the gates of Samaria. And they said to each other, why should we wait here until we die? It's no use going into the city because we would starve to death in here. But if we stay here, we're going to die also. So let's go. Let's move forward to the Cyrenian camp, which is actually to the enemy's camp. The worst they can do is actually kill us. But maybe, maybe they'll spare our lives. They don't really have an awful lot of hope here. So as it began to get dark, they went to the Syrian camp, and when they reached it, no one was there. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord had made the Syrians here what sounded like the advance of a large army with horses and chariots. Remember previously we just heard that Elisha had been praying, let their eyes be open. Well, here was the enemy. They could actually hear the, the, the things of God. People of God. If the enemy can hear the things of God, we should hear even more so. If they could hear the voice of God. So here they are. The Syrians fled for their lives. They abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and left the camp just as it was. When the four men reached the edge of the camp, they went into the tent, they ate and they drank. Remember, they were in famine. They ate and they drank. What was there? They grabbed the silver, the gold, the clothing that they found, and they went off and they hid them. Then they returned. Obviously, they were getting a wee bit braver because they didn't know if they were going to return if the enemy would actually be back, if it was a setup. They entered into another tent and they did the same thing. But then they said to each other, we shouldn't be doing this. We, we, we shouldn't be doing this. We, we have good news. We shouldn't keep this to ourselves. If we wait until morning to tell it, we are sure to be punished. Let's go right now. Let's go right now and tell. Turn around to the person beside you and say, let's go right now and tell. Let's go right now and tell. Tell the king's officers. So they left the Syrian camp and they went back to Samaria. So here were these four lepers. They were at the gate of decision. They were rejected by the city, but they also faced death by the enemy. Rejected or death. You know, there's, there's times where God actually puts us in that place where we have to make a decision where it just feels like, you know what? I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't, but I need to do something. I need to move forward. So that's the place that God actually brought us as leadership to. We had to come to that decision. We needed to make a place of decision. Where do we go? What do we do? Do we stay where we are in the Perth Road or do we step out and we move into the Gardine? And this is what we did. We moved forward. Why? Because we knew that there was a word of the God to move forward. They decided to take a risk. They either were going to stay and starve or they were going to move and see the miracle. They were either going to stay and starve or they were going to move and multiply. They were either going to stay and starve or they were going to move and multiply. This is what we're doing. Spiritual hunger drives us for more of God. And the enemy wants nothing more than to starve you out, to get you too scared for the unknown. But God is asking us, move to see the miracle. 
Joshua, he was at a pretty much similar place. He was at the place of going forward to cross over into the promised land. And if you remember what happened, he was actually in a place of loss before he went over. He had lost his leader, Moses. And what he did was he sent out the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Why did he send out the Ark of the Covenant? Because when we have our eyes on the presence of God, we can't turn around to see what we've lost, but we turn, look forward to see where we are going. There are people here who feel like 20, sorry, 2019 was a place of loss. And God is saying, cross over by keeping your eyes on who God is. Walk with the presence of God, because you know what he did? Was he held up a wall of wa water for them to cross over. If they had taken their eyes off of God and looked behind a bit like Lot's wife, we don't know what would have happened. Keep your eyes on who God is. And Joshua said, consecrate yourself. Make yourself acceptable for worship because of this, Joshua 3, 5, because he's going to do something amazing amongst us. This is our word. God is about to do something amazing amongst us here at the Gardine in your life. When you go out, when you reach your families, when you reach your workplaces, God's about to do something amazing. I was really hoping for more of a response to that one. God's about to do something amazing. So here's these lepers that got to the point, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. So they took the risk. Let's go. Let's move forward. But here's the thing. This is what they didn't bank on. They didn't bank on that God knew their circumstances and that he had already gone before them. Remember what happened when they got to the camp? What happened? The camp was clear. You see, God is always working on your behalf. God is always working on your behalf, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't see it, even when you're starving, even when you're fighting a battle and you feel like you're surrounded by the enemy. God is working on your behalf, even in your life. Say, God is working on my behalf. Turn around to the person beside you. Say, God is working on my behalf. God is working on your behalf. God is working on my behalf. God is working on my behalf of my finances and my health. God is working on my finances. God is working on my behalf in this church. God is working on my behalf in my workplace. God is working on my, on my behalf. Wherever I am, we need to realize that God has already gone before you and you do not need to fear when you step out, when you go forward. God's already gone for before you and he has already cleared out the enemies. And that is the confidence that we have, that out of the ashes, hope will arise. You see, when we walked into this place, we had to believe that, God, you're going to clear out this place of every demon in this place that has been celebrated because when we come in, we come in with the anointing and when we come in, we come in to lift up the name of Jesus and every devil has been cleared out of this place. Why? because we want to lift up the name of Jesus. You see, God's already working on our behalf. I'm going to talk to the screen. There might be a better... We shouldn't be doing this. You see, when you move, God moves. When you move, God moves. We've moved to the garden. I'm expecting God to move so much more. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So after we've made this decision, I'm quite sure though, these guys didn't go into that camp pretty confidently. I'd have been wetting myself. 
God, I'm flipping starving. Where am I? But if I go into the city, they're going to they're gonna reject me anyway because I've got skin disease. But if I go out there to the enemy, they could take me out. I'm absolutely starving. I know I wouldn't go in with great confidence. There's times where we go, go and do things. Not by a lot of confidence, but just annoying. God, you're with us. I'm going to keep my eyes on the presence of God. Verse 5b, so when they reached it, there was no one there. And, it made, and the Lord had made the Syrians hear what sounded like, what sounded like the Cyrenians. had sort of sounded like they had the advanced of an advancement of a large army. Which, believe me, God will do whatever it takes for you to find your provision for what you need. What did they find in that camp? Food, drink, clothes, gold, silver. They had it all. They all, had all. All that they had lacked, they found in that camp. Learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that leads you and guides you. And listen. So when they got to that camp, they realized they had access to all that they needed. You see, when we walk towards God in faith, when we move forwards, I'm reading from my notes here, when we walk towards God in faith, when we move forwards, he's already caused the enemy to scarper by the power of the cross. You can feel like you're surrounded by the enemy of what I don't have enough of. Enough food, people, time, energy, strength, finances, whatever it is you feel you don't have enough of. God's already made a way for you. You see, when you get going, you're going to realize that God's already moved and cleared the way for you to receive and have access to all that you need from your heavenly father. Then they went from tent to tent. These guys went from tent to tent. Joe, we need to go from house to house, office to office, classroom to classroom, playground to playground. We need to go to tent to tent. We need to go into the kids' room. We need to take back what the enemy has already stolen. You see, God's word says that he will give back to you all the years that the enemy has stolen from you. We need to go from tent to tent to see what the enemy has had to scarper away and leave. Who's in your office? Who, who's in your classroom? Who's in the lecture theater? These are the people that God is asking you, go into the enemy territory, go and tell them about who Jesus is. You see, God has already cleared out that which you feared would attack you. God has already cleared out all that that you feared would attack you and take you out. We just need to go forward and go into the tents and take what God has provided. Verse 9, it says, we shouldn't be doing this. We've got good news. We shouldn't keep it to ourselves. For all that God has given to us as a church, we need to share it. We can't keep what we have been given. Verse 9, it says, if we wait till the morning and tell it, we will sure to be punished. So let's go right now and let's go tell. Do you know what I love about this story? These guys still had leprosy. They hadn't yet been healed. They still had leprosy. They weren't perfect enough to go into the presence of the king. They weren't perfect enough to actually go and share the good news, to share what they had. Here's the thing, people. We do not need to be perfect Christians to go and share who Jesus is. You see, we already have the good news, and God is saying, go out there and tell the people. God is not looking for perfect Christians so that you can, you fear that somebody's going to point the finger at you. Well, I know what your life is like. What are you doing talking about the things of God? Well, do you see what your life, how's that, how's that turned out? 
you have good news. Do not fear the things that you still have on you that stops you from sharing. That is just a tactic of the enemy. Just because you don't have your first marriage together or things are not quite together as you thought they should be, you have good news. Go tell it. Don't hide it. They feared the king. We need to fear God. I don't want to get to heaven and say, God, you know what? Actually, I was really scared that the enemy would take me out if I ever talked about the things of God. Use your gob, people, to go from tent to tent and go and plunder the tents and bring it back into the kingdom of God. That is what God is asking of us. Come on now. Here's the thing. They should have actually died. They should have actually died. They should have died either by their disease they should have died if they'd walked into the city because if they'd walked into the city, they would have been stoned. There's three places they should have died. They should have died in the city by being stoned. They should have died out with the city because they had leprosy or they should have died because they had to go and face their enemy. The thing is, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. You will not die, but you will live to declare the, the works of the Lord. You are here today where the enemy has had a plan to cause you to die, to die spiritually to die physically and, f and spiritually to die off, even emotionally to die off, but you will not die because we are under the cover of the blood of Jesus. You should have died, but I'm still here. I'm still using my mouth. I'm still praising. I'm still honoring God, and I'm going to share the good news. Go tell. Move forward. Go tell. I'm going to ask the band that will come back up because I want to read this one last scripture. Matthew 10, it says, go to the lost sheep, go to the lost sheep, and as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, freely you have received, now freely give. They did not fear the rejection of the society, they feared not sharing. Let's not be fearful in what people will say when we get to them, freely you have received, now freely go give. I want you all to stand with me. In the, in the New Testament, Mary, when she met the resurrected Christ, she then went on to tell Peter, who went on to tell all the rest of the, the disciples, go tell, go share the good news. You see, I don't want to come to church alone. I want to come to church with this place packed out that we need to book it time and time again because God's got a plan and a purpose for this place. In fact, if you're standing beside an empty seat, go lay your hands on it. Go lay your hands on it. You might need to lean forward. You might need to turn around. Go lay your hands on that empty seat and say, seat be filled with a new soul for Jesus in Jesus' name. Seat be filled. Prophesy over this place that it will be filled with people who want to praise and honor God. Prophesy it will not be filled with people who want to complain about wrong things. Prophesy it will be filled with people who are actually crying out for the things of God to be moving in our city. Prophesy that this place will see the miraculous happen, that we will actually affect the students of Gardine. Prophesy that your neighbor will be sitting beside you in church next week. These seats will be filled in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we are determined to go shape.